We're starting a new book this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians. Galatians um, chapter 1, kind of an introduction this morning. We're looking at Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And to give you a little historical background on Galatians, we believe Galatians was the second book of the New Testament written. There's a debate between Galatians and the book of James. Many people believe that the epistle of James was written first and then, um, then the book of Galatians written around 49 AD. But regardless, either way, it's the, this is the very first writing of the Apostle Paul. It's the very first writing of the Apostle Paul. I'll tell you a little bit more about the introduction. If you're there, Galatians chapter 1, say amen. 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 Let's, let's read the first nine verses. That's all we're looking at this morning. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forevermore, amen. For I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Stern warnings here from the Apostle Paul in his opening New Testament epistle. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. He's going to repeat it again, verse 9. And we have said before, and so I say now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed, to be an anathema, to be damned is what it's saying. The book of Galatians, many people call this uh, the declaration of independence for the Christian. This is the Christian's declaration of independence. Independence from sin, and more importantly, one of the greatest false teachings in the church is independence from legalism, from legalism. If you go up and ask the average person, Lexington Larry or Ballantyne Bob, would you consider yourself to be a good person in God's eyes? Does, is God pleased with you? Would you consider yourself to be good? What would they say? Well, yeah, I'm a good person. I, I take care of my family. I work hard. I try to obey the Ten Commandments. I try to do what's right. That is legalism. When we are trusting for our salvation in anything other than Jesus, it's called legalism. It's called legalism. When we trust in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Galatians, as I said, it's our Declaration of Independence. It was written by the Apostle Paul somewhere around 49 AD, the very um, first epistle written by Paul. And many people call this, this book the Gospel of Grace. The Gospel of Grace. This book was written before the Gospels were written. This was written very, very early. And the Apostle Paul wastes no time. I love this about this book. The Apostle Paul wastes no time about coming out and presenting the gospel. He does in the opening verses. I sent out an email this week. I said, what's the big deal about grace? What's so big about grace? You know, we use that word so much, it's become like wallpaper, unfortunately. 
But what's the big deal about grace? Grace is everything. Grace is everything. I'm preaching this morning and I'm teaching this morning. Grace is everything. Grace is the gospel. Grace is the gospel. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way God deals with man. This is his, this is his treaty, as you, if you want to call it. This is his treaty. This is his plan from the ages and we're going to see, he's going to say this in verses 2 and 3. But this is the plan that God deals with all men throughout all time. And it's through his grace. And let me tell you something. It couldn't have been written any better. Because guess what? It doesn't, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do on your part to be in a right relationship with God. It comes, it's given by God. It's his plan. All you have to do is open your heart. Open your heart and let him come in and let his grace come in. And it does the work. There's a mountain. There's a mountain that stands in the way of grace. And we got to blow it up. We got to send some TNT dynamite and we got to get it out of here. That mountain that stands in the way, three things. Religion. Tradition and legalism. Religion, tradition, and legalism, they're alive and well today. People say this. People say, in there, talking about their spiritual walk with God, they say things like, well, I cling to my icon. I cling to this necklace. I cling to this or I cling to that. That's legalism. They cling to their denomination. Clinging to a denomination Versus clinging to Jesus. I don't have a problem with denominations. But we don't cling to that. We don't cling to that as our spirituality. We don't say, I'm a part of, you fill in the blank denomination. We say, I belong to Jesus. I cling to him. Uh, any, kind of, any type of rules, rituals, anything, any way we try to base our relationship with God based on how we look on the outside. If you base your relationship with God based on how you look on the outer man, my friend, that's legalism. That's legalism. And I love this about God's word. The book that we are beginning to study this morning, Galatians, is that dynamite. Galatians is a bombshell on tradition, legalism, and tradition. And so this morning, I'm just going to warn you right now, if you're steeped in tradition, and religion, and you're legalistic in your walk, you're not going to like this book. You're not going to like this book. But if you believe in Jesus, if you love him, if you're born again, you're going to be like, pour it on, Pastor Dave, pour it on. You're going to love it because you're going to see it's not about none of that. It's about grace. It's about grace. Let's pray, and then we'll get in to the gospel of grace that many church fathers call. We're getting into your declaration of independence. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at it now, um, God, let grace become amazing. Let grace become real. Let us see the truth straight from your mouth on the pages of scripture. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Here we go. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, 
but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul, that, this, that's the opening line. These are Paul's first words in the New Testament era. He's penning this letter, possibly from Corinth. And the first thing he's doing is he is separating his ministry and the gospel from the agency of man. He's making, he's making a clear distinction. He says, um, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man. That word agency, not from the, uh, the authority of man. Uh, Paul is placing his ministry and his gospel not under man's system, but look at the verse. But through, he's, God, Paul is placing his ministry and gospel under the authority, on the second half of verse 1, under the authority of Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul's saying, man did not call me. This is not from an institution of man. This is divine. This is from heaven. This is from the Lord Jesus Christ. As I look at this verse, the, the, the question that pops in my heart and my mind and for today is, who calls people to ministry? Who makes the calling? Does man, does institutions? Don't get me wrong. I'm all for higher education. I'm all for degrees. I'm all for certificates. I'm all for affiliations or whatever you want to call and all that. But ultimately, those are good things, but ultimately the calling has to come from God. Amen. Our calling has to come from God. There has to, we are not, I am not ordained or called to ministry by a man, but I am called to ministry by the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit. You are called into this Christian walk, into this relationship with grace, not by David, not by any man or institution or organization, but you are called into this loving, awesome relationship by the Holy Spirit. He has drawn you in. He has brought you in. Verse two, verse two, I love this. We're gonna get into the heart and mind of the apostle Paul. Think about what things may have been happening as he's writing this letter and what happens at the end of his ministry. Verse 2, he says, and I love this. I, I, I spent so much time on this verse. You can be like, really? You spent a lot of time on this verse? But I did. But I just, I want to see what's going on. I want to see other places where he talks about this subject. But verse 2, he says, and to all the brethren who are with me and to the churches of Galatia, oh, what joy. What excitement the Apostle Paul had early in his missionary journeys as brethren were like-minded with him. As they were, there was a camaraderie of these new believers traveling throughout Iconia, Lystra, Derby, Corinth, Thessalonica, Philippi, spreading the gospel. There was this camaraderie. There was this joy. They were together. It was like a sports team. It was like a sports team being together. And going all the way, or like a military unit, when they, clunk, they, clunk, they go together and they go into battle, they're all together. They're together for the gospel. And what joy it must have brought to the Apostle Paul's heart as he was on this journey. You know, there's nothing more exciting. Now, I could talk about this from a ministry perspective. I could talk about this uh, just from a Christian perspective. What joy 
there is when you're doing life together in fellowship with other believers. It's exciting. It's important. It lifts us up. But let me tell you this, though. It was not always that way for the Apostle Paul. It was not always that way. He didn't always have the brethren. You see, Galatians is the first letter written by the Apostle Paul around 49 A.D., He's excited, he's pumped up, he's sharing the gospel. The kingdom is moving forward. 17 years later, 67 AD, let's look at what he said in his last letters. His very last letter that he wrote was 2 Timothy. And look at what he says 17 years later, talking about fellowship and the brethren being with him. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia have turned away from me, among whom those are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And then this one right here. 2 Timothy 4.10, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. You know, it had to be heartbreaking. According to the early church traditions, Demas went off to Thessalonica and became an idol pagan priest. But he, he departed. And it says, uh, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted. That word deserted there means that he lurched out, that Demas lurched out. It meant one moment Demas was serving hand in hand with the Apostle Paul. I, didn't, I don't have my references, but Demas is mentioned two other places in the New Testament. And Paul praises him for serving alongside him and being there with him in the gospel. It's in Philippians and one other place. But he's mentioned three times. This is the final place that Demas is mentioned. But Demas was there. He was with him. And then on the spur of a moment, as the scripture says, he lurched out on him. He left and he went to Thessalonica. You know, in my many years of serving the Lord and living out the Christian life, I witnessed a lot of people come to Christ. I've witnessed a lot of people serving the Lord. You know, but unfortunately, it's sad, but I've watched people abandon the faith. I've watched people walk away from Christ. And I think to myself, why? Why do you walk away? What, why, why were you disillusioned? What disillusioned you? What, what stumbling block came along? Because whatever it is, it didn't come from scripture. Because this grace program is awesome. It's amazing. There's no reason why anybody in their right mind would turn away from grace. It's mind-blowing. It's awesome. And it will set you on fire. But as I was thinking about Paul, his men being with him, then deserting him, and I was thinking about today, Christians serving the Lord, getting saved, but watching those abandoned. Here's the question I have for you this morning is this. What are you going to do when those around you fall away? You know, we're serving the Lord somebody's serving with us and they decide to take a right turn, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand firm in your faith? Are you going to be the bridge between and reach out to them? You know, we can't be shaken. And for people who slip and fall away, you know what we need to do? We need to do what Jesus would do. And that's go after them. Go after them with God's grace. With God's grace. What do we do when those around us depart? We pray for them. We love them. We reach out to them. And we, we wrap our arms around their ankles. 
and say, please come to your senses. Don't depart from Christ. Serve him. He loves you. He offers you grace. Now, verse 3. Verse 3, Paul, as I said, these are the opening words of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament writings. He wastes no time in getting straight to the gospel. Look at, let's look at verses 3 and 4. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. My friends, right there, the gospel of grace. Paul wastes no time. Look at the first three words. That's what God is saying to you this morning, the first three words, grace to you. That is, that is, the, um, that is the purpose of the gospel. The purpose of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is to bring grace into your life, to bring grace to your heart. Now, I want to break this down in these, in these few verses right here, and I see three parts of grace. I see three parts of grace in verses three and four. Let's look at them. The first part is this. Grace comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the first part of grace is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who stepped out of eternity, came into time, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, suffered and died on the cross, and rose from the grave for you. Grace centers on him. He is the representative he is the, the physical picture, if you want to call it, of grace. His grace and his truth coming to you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the person. This person paid a price. He paid a price. Look at uh, verse 4. This person paid a price. He says, who gave himself for our sins. How did he prove his grace? He stretched out his arms and he died on the cross. And as verse 4 says, he gave himself for our sins. He suffered and died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. The Bible teaches without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. A sacrifice had to be made. So God didn't send a lamb. He sent his very best, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you and I could come into this relationship through his death at Calvary. That, Cal that, that cross means everything. That cross means everything. It was at that pinnacle and at that moment that God demonstrated his love and his grace towards you. That's where he displayed it. That's where the three parts, the person, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where he, he paid the price. He paid the price the third part of grace is a purpose. This price that he paid at Calvary has a purpose according to these verses. And that purpose is in verse 4. It says that he might rescue us from this present evil age. He came on a rescue mission. He came on a rescue mission. And Jesus Christ in his omniscience and in his deity, I can proclaim to you today and, and him being God, he had you by name on his mind. He had you by name on his mind so that he might rescue us, talking about me and you, from this present 
evil age. There's, we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world that is, the Bible teaches, is fallen. It's fallen. It's, it's scarred and is marred by sin. That's why we see what we see in the world today. That's why we see sin. That's why we see evil. And what he did through Calvary and through his representation is he came down to pull you out of the mire and muck and set you on solid ground. That's, my friend, is what grace is. Who in their right mind would reject that? Really? That's amazing. That's mind-blowing. You know, we got to take the religious glasses off. we got to take the religious mindset off. And we got to see the reality and the truth of the gospel. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's glorious. And then he finishes off the verse in verse 4 at the very end of it. He says, according to the will of our God and Father. My friend, this is the only way he deals with man. There is no other way. There is no other way. God does not deal with man, talking about the gospel of grace, God does not deal with man through tradition, through religion, or through legalism. He deals with man through grace, through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of grace. The, look at the first three words again, the first three words of verse three. What does it say? Grace to you. That is the program that is the program. That is what he wants to get to your heart. Let's look at verse five. To whom be the glory forevermore, amen. This was the heart cry of the apostle Paul. Paul, throughout his ministry, remember, he was a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. And he says, take the spotlight off of me and put it on Jesus. All glory, all honor goes to Jesus. Paul was like, don't look at me. You got to think about it. What, was his, what does the name Paul mean? It means little one. But before his name was Paul, he was Saul. And he was a Pharisaical giant. Perfect in the law. That was Saul. Has this road, Damascus Road experiences. Sees the Lord Jesus Christ. He gets renamed Paul. And he goes from the great and mighty Pharisaical Paul. I mean, Saul, to Paul, the little one, because he wanted all the glory and honor to go to Jesus Christ, verse 5. And then verse 6, he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the, what does it say? By the grace of Christ for a different gospel. The Galatians were living up to their reputation. They were living up to their reputation. Their reputation. Julius Caesar, uh, the Galatian region was built up of people called the Gauls, and they had migrated from the West. And this is what Julius Caesar said about them many years before this. Quote from Julius Caesar on the Gauls who became the Galatian people of that region. He says, they're fickle, they're fond of change, and they're not to be trusted. They were wishy-washy. They were wishy-washy. They were here one day and there the next. And they continue to. He, he says in verse 6, his first three words, he says, he says, I am amazed. I am amazed. In other words, he's saying, are you crazy? Are you kidding me? You're going to depart this gospel? Okay, first off, we'll talk about him in a minute. 
But there was these people, Paul calls them dogs in Philippians. They were Judaizers. They were coming in behind the apostle Paul. And they were, Paul would come in and establish the gospel of grace. They would repent and believe in Jesus. The Judaizers would come in and say, no, well, you can believe in Jesus, but you also got to obey the law if you want salvation. He, you also you got to obey. And, and he says, have you lost your mind that you're going to go back to the law after you've understand the gospel of grace? Why? This is what I said a while ago. We got to take the religion and the tradition and the legalistic binders off, and we got to see the truth of the gospel. Why do people desert? Why do people abandon the faith? Some people will say, well, all I see is tradition and religion. Some people, um, and I understand, I understand this one, and it's a tough one, it's a tough pill to swallow, but some people, desert the faith because they're disillusioned by hypocrisy they see in the church. And some people just outright love their sin. Some people just say, you know what? I'm not willing to give up my sin. I'm not willing to give up my lifestyle. And they cling to their sin more than they cling to the things of God. But whatever, whatever the reason may be that people desert Christ, whether it's tradition, religion, delusions, hypocrisy, or they love their sin, Here's, one, here's the common denominator of why people is they don't see the glory and the magnificent truth of grace. Because if you opened your eyes and you saw this beautiful grace program, if people's eyes were opened up, man, they would run to it and they would cling to God. They would cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there ain't nothing Rick Hipkins or Warren McDonald or anybody else is going to do to take me away from my Jesus because he is so great and he is so awesome. And I've, because I've seen how awesome and how beautiful and how amazing this gospel of grace is. That's what he wants us to see. The beauty and the truth of, of grace in the gospel. It's a beautiful message. It's a message that restores people. It's a message that gives people hope. It's a message that, that lifts people up in their deepest, darkest hour. And ultimately, the, the icing on the cake it's a message of eternal life. How long are you going to be gone for when you leave this life? Forever. Man, glorious, glorious. It's beautiful. Um, he says at the end of verse 6, uh, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. Here it is, for a different gospel. Okay, folks, he's not talking about um, a different religion or, or a false teaching as in another cult. What he's talking about in the context of Galatians chapter 1, he's talking about legalism. He's talking about legalism. Paul, throughout every letter in the New Testament, he always references combating the Judaizers, those who want to add law to grace. He combats them. And this different gospel in verse 6, as we're going to see, he's talking about legalism. What is legalism? Legalism is this. Anytime you add anything to grace... Any, anytime you add anything to grace, I'm trusting in, you could use the word grace, you could use the word gospel, you could words, use the word Jesus. Anytime I'm trusting in Jesus and 
got to go to church every single Sunday, or I'm not going to cut my hair, or got to wear dresses, or not wear makeup, or not go to the movies, or don't smoke. Anytime you add anything to the gospel, it becomes legalism. As far as our salvation is concerned, and our relationship with Christ, it's based on our, by grace through faith in Christ alone, and our living relationship with him. Listen to this, hard pill, hard pill to swallow, if you got any legalism in, in, your, in your bones, but I'm going to say this. Even if you add God's law to grace, grace is no longer grace. I'm going to repeat that. Even if you add God's law to grace, grace is no longer grace. Where you, Pastor Dave, where did you get that from? Romans 11.6. Romans 11.6. Paul says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. That's what he says. So here's the equation. Here's our grace equation that I want you to go home with this morning. The grace equation is this. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Can we say that together? Say it together. One, two, three. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. It's his program, not ours. Not based on our works, not based on our performance, but it's based on Calvary. My friend, that is grace. That is mind-blowing. Who is promoting legalism in the New Testament in, in the context of where Paul was on these missionary journeys? They were Judaizers. Listen to what Paul says about these Judaizers in Philippians 3.2. He says, beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Come on, Paul. Can't you be a little seeker sensitive? I mean, can't you be a little nice to these people? No. Why is he so, what? And so torqued at these Judaizers? Because they were corrupting grace. Because they were corrupting grace. That's why Paul calls them that. That's why Paul calls them, uh, you dogs. They were like, you know, what, what's, what's the commonality? What's the common thing about dogs? They run in packs and they follow and they go from city to city. As Paul is going through Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Thessalonica, Philippi, not far behind him was a trail of dogs following and they were the Judaizers. And they were coming in and they were trying to corrupt the gospel of grace. So he calls them dogs. Evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. You know, they were, in, they were trying to come behind uh, um, him establishing the churches and say, okay, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you also got to be circumcised. And Paul's like, nope, it's grace plus nothing. Verse, let's look at verse 7. I think we flushed out verse 6. Verse 7 says this, uh, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. What exactly was it these believers were struggling with, what was causing them to fall away. We have two little um, clues in verse 7 of two things that were happening within the church there at Galatia. And let's look at those. Verse 7, he says, the first one is, only there are some who are disturbing you. Why do people fall away? Why do people fall away from, from grace? I present to you based on verse 7, there's two reasons people will fall away from grace. 
Number one is soul trouble. Soul trouble. He says, there are some who are disturbing you. One of the reasons people fall away from grace is soul trouble. The second reason is twisted truth. Twisted truth, which was the legalism. I, wanna, I want you to meet Stephen and read to you about Stephen. Stephen was a freshman at a Big Ten school. After his first semester in college, Stephen goes home for Christmas break to enjoy some home-cooked meals and time with his family. Yet while he's home, Stephen's father breaks the news that he and Stephen's mother is getting a divorce. His father says, I've met someone new. I like her, and I just can't continue to be with your mother. So we're getting a divorce. Stephen is crushed and disillusioned with his parents. And everything they taught him, including their Christian faith, which, he had, which had become his own throughout his high school years, Stephen returns to college in the throes of deep sadness and anger. He experiences soul trouble. He's disturbed. But what he doesn't realize at the time is that his soul trouble is going to alter his spring semester. And his spring world religion class delivers a mind blow to his Christian faith. Now the grace-filled teachings of Buddhism strike Stephen as superior to the hypocritical Christianity picked up back home. By the end of the spring semester, he no longer attends church. Instead, he is attending a yoga class with his girlfriend, practicing transcendental meditation with his roommates and reading the writings of the Dalai Lama. And by the time Stephen returns home at the end of the school year, he's redesigned himself to the fact that he no longer believes in Jesus or calls himself a Christian. Stephen had soul trouble that disillusioned him. You know, people today experience things, unfortunately, tragically, that cause them to turn away from grace. They're disillusioned. Their head is spinning. They're, they don't know what to think. They don't know how to process something. That's reason number one, that sometimes people turn away from this beautiful grace, that the disillusionment and the, the sideswiping of what the situation has happened, it just breaks their heart, and they fall away from grace. Um, what does Stephen need? He needs someone to come alongside and encourage him to lift him up, someone to come alongside and pray for him. So the first one, verse 7, he said, which is really not another, there are some who are disturbing you. So there are people that are disturbed by circumstances that are so overwhelming that it causes them to fall away from grace. But he also, Paul says in there, there's the word and, in other words, a second idea, and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. I call this twisted truth. Twisted truth. Twisted truth is this. You want to be saved? Believe in Jesus and follow tradition. Believe in Jesus and go to church every single Sunday without fail and don't miss one single Sunday. That's legalism. Believe in Jesus and no more dancing. Believe in Jesus and no more movies. That's legalism. It's not biblical. Believe in Jesus, no more makeup. That's legalism. 
Believe in Jesus and keep your hair cut. Anything that you add to grace, anything outside of a person repenting from sin, turning away, and putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, anything outside of that is legalism and receiving him as their Lord and Savior and trusting him. And I trust in, we trust in grace. We trust in the gospel. That's, anything outside of that is twisted truth. The old saying, we've heard it said many times, grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. Amen? That's, that's what I'm clinging to as one day I will step into eternity. I'm not clinging to being a pastor. I'm not clinging to giving my first fruit offerings. I'm not clinging to nothing. I'm not clinging to nothing but Jesus and the old rugged cross. Now, people would read and listen to my message and they'd be like, David, you're talking all this grace. And does this mean I can live? Does this mean I can live any old way I want to? It's all about grace, God's grace, glory to God. I love grace, but I can go live like the world? No, no. Grace, the Holy Spirit working in us in grace crucifies the old life. It puts it to death. It gives us a new life. Paul's going to say later on in Galatians, I think it's Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. When you become a Christian, a funeral takes place and the old man dies. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Can we still continue in sin? What shall we say then? Straight from God's mouth, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. No way. Forget about it. It ain't happening. That's not the way it works. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Going back to Galatians where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. When you become a believer, a death takes place. David Ford passed away in 1992. The old David passed away. Doesn't mean I don't struggle, okay? Doesn't mean we don't fight. We're, we're not talking sinless perfectionism. Christians still sin. Christians still struggle. But there's this new heart attitude that says, I don't want to do that no more. And we, we slip and sometimes we fall on the way. But that's where grace comes in. As we work out our sanctification, as we move forward in our walk with Christ, and we grow in this amazing grace relationship. Let's finish it up. Verse 8. Grace sets us free. Grace is the program. Um, the gospel of grace. If you want to write that across, across your top of the book of Galatians, the gospel of grace. It's your declaration of independence. Very stern words here from the Apostle Paul. You know, remember Paul's writing this letter. He's got the dogs on his tail. The Judaizers coming behind him, wanting to spread legalism. So he's going to give them a firm Th uh, tough word here. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. That's not enough. Look at the next verse. He's going to repeat a word. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, 
he is to be accursed. That word means anathema. It means damned. Do you see how important grace is? Do you see how important grace is? What's the big deal about grace? It's huge. Grace, my friend, is everything. Just want to present to you a couple things of what grace is. A couple things for you to take home, to think about, to chew on. Grace is this. Grace is the gospel. Grace is the gospel. That the, the, the book of Galatians is also, not only is it the gospel of grace, but it's a doctrine on the defense of justification by faith. See, in the 16th century, the church was buried under a mountain of legalism, tradition, and man-made rules. And this young 33-year-old monk and priest named Martin Luther was reading and studying the book of Galatians and, 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 and Romans. And, he, and this is what sparked the Protestant Reformation, was Martin Luther discovered these biblical truths from the book of Galatians that we're going to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through in the book of Romans. And he says, no, 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 church. He nailed his 95 thesis and he says, there are no such thing as indulgences. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's no such thing as doing works or paying money to get your sins forgiven. Man is justified by faith and faith alone in Christ by the grace of God. Grace is the gospel. And it's a gospel we defend. What did he say? If a man comes and preaches another gospel, he says, let him be an anathema. Let him be an anathema. We take no glory from God. This is your plan, God. This is your program. You don't need my help. He, don't need, he doesn't need man's help. This is his. I couldn't even, if I, if I didn't have a Bible, I couldn't even come up with something like this. This would take an infinite, eternal mind to create something so grand and so glorious for our benefit. And so the grace is the gospel that we're justified by faith. Grace is how God has chosen to deal with man. And I love this one based back on verse four. Uh, grace is what transforms us today. Verse four, he says, he gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from this present evil age. Galatians is the most dangerous book in the New Testament for, for religion, for tradition, and for legalism. The book of Galatians, as we go through this book, it will strip you. It will strip you of tradition, it will strip you of religion, and it will fill you with Jesus. And you will experience a new joy and a new height in your walk with Christ. Do you wanna do that? Do you want to live life with peace of mind? Do you want to live life with peace of mind and with joy unspeakable? Because you're trusting in grace, in grace alone, in Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what grace is all about. That is what grace is all about. The grace equation, I'll repeat it one more time. Jesus plus anything is nothing. 
That's the gospel of grace. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of grace. Thank you for the Galatians, the gospel of grace. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing study. Lord, as we begin our journey through the book of Galatians, I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to peel back if there's legalism in our life, if there's tradition in our life, if there's anything that's not of you, the man-made stuff. Lord, I pray pray that you'll begin to work in our hearts and let us experience grace, know grace, trust grace, love grace, live grace as we walk with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this new book that we are entering into and going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen.